If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? Hi, my name is Ruth and I'm from Winston Alton County, Dublin. Um, I'm 37 years of age and thank you very much for having me. Pleasure, Ruth. Ruth, we know each other through Instagram Mm -hmm. and I've been following your story. So from the very beginning, do you want to tell me your story? Yeah, no problem. So myself and Nigel, my husband, are married 10 years, September just gone. Um, after a year of being married, like near, nearly every other couple, we decided we wanted a family. Had it all planned out in our head, what we wanted, where we wanted, all the kind of stuff. So yeah, a year went on, no sign of getting pregnant or anything like that. So we decided, oh sure, look, we'll go for a few tests and see what happens. So went for a few tests in my, in my GP, everything came back fine. And then we got referred into uh, Bowman Private to speak to a consultant. Talking to him, he was like, oh, I'll go for more tests. We're like, yeah, okay. Went for more tests. And he was like, oh, I'm going to... Nothing really came up in the tests again. Oh, mm. I'm going to refer you on to the private rooms in the Rotunda. Okay. So we went to the Rotunda anyway, got assigned to a consultant, very nice man. And he said, look... It's probably just stress-related, you know, you're young, you're fine, I'm going to put you on Clomid, which is a medic, one tablet. Uh, try that for a short time, see how you can... What is that for? What, what? That is basically for to regulate your body and to make sure you're ovulating when you should be ovulating and you get your cycle when you should get your cycle and that type of thing. So that was grand. And was there anything with your, like, was there any problems with your cycle for you growing up? There was no, no problem at all? No. No, 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 not a thing. So that was grand. Went on to the Clomid and the Clomid was a horrible tablet. Oh, Jesus, it was awful. Um, it made me feel crap. Like it made me feel, it just made me feel crap in myself. I put on a bit of weight. Um, just felt shit, basically, when I was on this. But I said, look, I just suck it up. If it's going to help, happy days. So I went on that. Still no sign of... Uh, conceiving or anything like that so we're like okay back to the drawing board went back in to the doctor like look nothing's gonna happen here so again he sent us on more tests myself and Nigel went on more tests and uh he put us on more medication I can't remember now what the medication was at the time uh but he put us on another course of medication nothing happened then so this was kind of going on and on and on and nothing was coming out of it so eventually he said look he says well about starting IVF we're like yeah sure we'll give it a bash so, started IVF in the Rotunda, Sims, what it's called now. And What uh, is it called? Sims, it's called okay. now. What's that stand for, do you know? Uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> I should know, but I don't okay, know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we started uh, IVF in the Rotunda. Uh, we, I was put on medication. So basically with IVF, you have to go through a rigmarole of scans, bloods, injections. Uh, it's tough. Like, it is tough going. Um, you're, this is all timed medication. So you have to maybe have an injection in the morning or you have to have an injection in the evening. And then maybe take a medication in between that. So I could never inject myself. I just was not able to do it. So Nigel had to do it. So he'd be injecting me in my belly. Uh, sometimes he would have to inject me kind of in my lower back as well. Um, so this would go on for about two weeks. And you're in between those two weeks, you're going into the return to getting scanned by the nurses uh, to make sure that your lining is doing what you're doing. Basically, it was shutting your body down to prepare you for egg retrieval. And this medication was making your eggs grow um, to make sure you had eggs for egg retrieval. Okay. So we did that for about two weeks and uh, we went in then for egg retrieval into the rotunda and we got eggs, which was amazing, fantastic. So that was fine then. So then we transferred one and you have to wait then two weeks after that for a result. Then two weeks were dust the worst two weeks ever they're the slowest two weeks in the world like you're watching the clock you're watching the days so many people say whatever you do don't test don't test don't test and we didn't actually we mm. said no we'll wait for the two weeks as uh, so i know some people do it on day 10 some people do it on day 11 but we said no we'll wait for day 14 so they say to test very uh, early in the morning when you go to the loo you know when we all get up in the morning we go to the loo test it then so, of course, five o'clock that morning, like, I got up and wide awake, like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Lou, I'm going to go to Lou. Tested, nothing came up, not pregnant. So, we didn't really mind too much because it was so new to us at that stage. We're like, oh, look, it's probably just an nerves, you know, we need to calm down, relax, this type of thing. So, we had uh, two more eggs or two more embryos to implant. So, we went again. So I basically had to wait for my period to come again. And then when we go again, I'd be put on meds and then we go again. Went again, still a fail. Said, okay, sure, look, we'll go again. But before the third time, uh, the doctor recommended we do more tests um, and kind of add in additional, how to say, medication type things. As in, we got like a glue, it was called, uh, that the consultant uh, that was doing the transfer would put in glue and help to supposedly help you help the embryo stick more or implant more into you and things like this like and then it was intralipids they recommended doing intralipids basically it's like a drip that goes into your arm before uh, transfer and that again that's supposed to help things kind of move along and help your body help your immune system all this type of thing so did that did uh, we basically did every test how traumatic traumatic is that at the time, you're on a roller coaster. You don't, it's like you're swimming underneath and you just don't get up for air. You keep going and going and going and going. Like at the time, I was like, okay, should we just do it? Should we just do it? Should we just do it? And you're going, 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 going. You're like you're in this bubble and nothing is going to burst until you know that you're pregnant. Like, so we just kept going and going and going. And like, we're still in work. Like, this is I what still, I wanted to yeah. ask you. Yeah. Like, I'm still working full time now. I just still work. My work has been absolutely amazing like so so kind and um, my boss knew all along what was going she's like look when you have to go just go just give me the heads up no one needs to know just go do what you have to do it's no problem she was amazing so 
Yeah, so the third transfer came, did it all again, waited the two weeks, nothing. So I was like, oh, Nigel, like, what in the name of Jesus? And at that stage, you start to question, like, what is going on? Like, what is going on? And I said to him, like, what's wrong? Like, like this shouldn't be happening. Like, like I'm a woman. Like, a woman's job is to bear a child. Like, that's what we're here to do. And, like, it just makes you feel shit. Like, it really does. Because, like, you see every Tom, Dick and Harry, like, and they fall and pregnant and... Oh, it's it at that stage it started to get to me because I'm just like this, this, this isn't right. Like this, this is not the way it should be, but it's the way it is. So we kind of talked about it and talked about it, and we're like, we felt like maybe we get one more bash, but we would move um, hospitals or clinics. Mm. So we went over to Repromed in Dundrum, okay, and we met over there with a consultant, very very nice uh, consultant, and we did the whole rigmarole again. Uh, this time around we got two eggs that we could implant so that was grand so off we went again got on the bike and away we went again and um we found actually that clinic was actually a little bit more attentive to us because we found out when when the other hospital transfer did the transfer they actually transferred it on the wrong day it actually should have been a day later because of my cycle and because of the way I was responding to medication so we're like oh god that maybe that's it like maybe that's what the problem was mm. happy days so did that give you even though you were angry did it give you hope absolutely it did okay. and I was like oh god maybe this is it maybe this is it so we went and we transferred in day six and like oh yeah this is gonna it gave us an awful lot of hope and fairness and uh, like, this is it and boom no here we go again so was that more difficult like is the word failure do we say failure like when is that what is that the word failure yeah so was that failure worse than any other or um I suppose it was in a way because we felt that that particular clinic for us was a bit more how would you say not attentive but they seemed to be looking into our case a lot with more detail Mm. than what the other clinic was and we were like, we were so convinced that it was going to work because we had a, he, the consultant had said, right, I think we should transfer on this day and I, right, you know, this could work. And because we're giving you hope, we really, really thought this was going to be it. But no. So, and with that particular clinic, you had to go. So you did a home pregnancy test. I'll never forget it uh, at home. But you had to go in as well and t- get your bloods taken just to make sure that it was a fail. So... I said to Nigel, I used to get the train or the Lewis mm. over to Dundrum. And I said, I'm not going to go over there like and stand on the Lewis with a gansy load of people. I go about their business. I couldn't do it. And he's like, oh, just just do it, just do it. And I said, great, okay. So off I went. And I remember standing in the Lewis. The Lewis was jam-packed. Like people going about their business, mm. going to work, going to school, whatever. And here I was, like the people like realise where I'm going. Like I've just found out like that. My IVF cycle hasn't worked. I'm going to get a bloods to confirm it. Like, it's just mad. Like, do you know, it's just, it was barbaric. Like, it really was. So, went into the clinic. That's really, really important, isn't yeah. it? And that's yeah. where we say mm. that we have no idea what's going on. Absolutely. With Absolutely. the person beside yeah. me. Because yeah. you are 100% alone in your own fight, mm-hmm. stepping on that Lewis. Yeah. Absolutely traumatised. Yeah. With like 30, 40 other people, you know, and me not knowing what they're going through. Mm. But 
I remember just, and I said it to Nigel when I got off the train, I rang him and I was like, do you know what? I stammered when I'm that loose and I says, no one knows what's going on. I says, like people just think I'm going to work, but that's not the case. Like I'm going in to get bloods to confirm, yeah, no, you're not pregnant. You know, that type of way, mm. which is mad. Like when you think of it like that. Mm. So got the bloods done and yeah came back no didn't work so we're like right okay so off we went again fifth time lucky we said we'll go for it did it all again and no didn't work so at that stage we were just like what's going on like what like what's wrong with us like what is wrong with us and I remember the consultant sitting down and said look you've tried everything you've done every test you've taken every blood test we've done every examination possible you could go again, but you're throwing, you're going to start throwing your money away. And like, it's expensive enough as it is. Like, I mean, it's five grand a cycle. Like, so it's, it's not cheap wow. by any means. Like, and then you have the any additional tests on top of that, that you would be charged, which we knew about. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he sat us down and he was like, I think your only option is surrogacy. And at the time, I looked at Nigel and I was like, what is he talking about? Sur- what the hell? Like, surrogacy? Like, this, no way. Like, Jeannie Mac. So, went. Did, did it hit you like a ton of bricks or is it just? No, I was more annoyed that he even suggested You're annoyed. it. Okay. Yeah, I was really annoyed. Like, and I remember walking and saying to Nigel, what's he talking about surrogacy? Like, why is he going even going down the road? Like, that's, like, we're not that bad. I know we've had five failed IVF cycles, but no way. Like, absolutely no way. So, at that stage... We just needed a break. We just needed a break, like, because it was constantly going, 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 like, you know. And five cycles, how long is that? Five cycles. We, when did we start? We started um, in 10 years married today. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, no, so ten, 10 years married in September. Mm. Um, now my maths isn't great. I think we started in... 2000 our first investigations were in 2012 and then we finished up IVF in 2017 I want to say so between like starting out in IVF like five five years five years yeah five years what does that do to a relationship uh it's stressful it's very stressful and like Nigel would Nigel would be a lot stronger than me like you know he kind of held it together very well and like again behind closed doors like I went to work I work on reception so I put the happy face on everything's mm. hunky-dory that's what you do like same as Nigel he went to work I put the happy face on and uh but it was tough like it was tough like I was blaming myself an awful lot like as I said like I was like Nigel this isn't this isn't right like this isn't right like I even said to him look if you want to leave me like I have no qualms about that. Like, you want a family, I want a family, but obviously it's not going to happen. So if you want to go find yourself another lovely lady and away you go, no problem. Um, the It was very, very hard, very hard. I just, I just felt crap, like, you know, I just felt so bad that I couldn't give my husband a child, you know, that type of way. And I know there's people out there that don't want children, and that's absolutely fine, but we... We had it in there, you know yourself, like when you find mm. your husband or your wife or whatever, you, you know what your life plan's going to be. And uh, it just wasn't working and it just, oh, it was soul destroying. And then you had all the friends, of course, fallen pregnant. And yeah, of course you were happy for them, but, you know, the Christians were coming up, the first birthdays were coming up. And I remember one Saturday, 
uh, we were invited to one of the kids' birthday, and Nigel says, oh, I have to go to work. And I was like, Nigel, would you not just come down with me? Like, and he's like, well, to be honest, I don't want to be around them, because the lads will just be talking all about the kids, like, which is fine. Mm-hmm. He said, but what do I say? Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, well, yeah, I know, I suppose, like, but I had to do the same, mm-hmm. like, you know. So um, it was very, very, very hard, but we were very open with each other and talked about it an awful lot. Um, we were... You know, men, like, they would hold things in a lot more than what we would. So um, he he eventually broke down, actually, one night. And I was glad he did, because he was holding in for so, so long. Like, it was more me crying and moaning than him. Like, so I was glad that he broke down as well. And he kind of felt the better of it as well mm. after he did that too. Like, But, like, IVF and infertility can split up a couple. Mm. Like, I've, I've known a few couples that have just gone their separate ways because the pure stress stress and the emotions attached to it and I can totally understand where they're coming from mm-hmm. totally understand but thankfully we were okay and so, we kind of mm-hmm. got through it like together like you know but um so take it back then to the cervix yeah so, so then the doctor yeah was all about cervix and we we're like ah oh, no not gonna happen not gonna happen he's talking through his arse type thing mm-hmm. you know so that was fine anyway so we went away and we just left it we just parked it all aside and we just said no he says we'll just take a break so remember we booked two holidays and they're like we're gonna live our life for a while like and just enjoy so we did that and we went on our two holidays and we we're loving life and all and then the summer that Rosanna Davison said that she was expecting with her husband through international surrogacy of course we're delighted for them all that and I said I don't like well, like, like if Rosanna can do it, why can't we? Mm, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, and I remember she was on the late, late and all that. And I kind of just started doing my own research online. Mm. Didn't I think we were ever going to go down the route of it. But mm. I just said, I'll, I'll have a quick look and see what's out there. And it's a minefield, absolute minefield. And um, it just kind of went from there. Um, I contacted some agencies. We went to Ukraine. I contacted some agencies they came back with prices and this, that and the other. And then I contacted our solicitor, Annette Hickey, down in Kilkenny. And we met with her and she advised what clinics to or not to go to. Um, so in Ireland, is just so we can, you know, let help as much as we possibly yeah. can. Mm-hmm. Um, in Ireland, is there specific solicitors that deal with this? Yes, there okay. is. I know of two, a lady called Tracy Horn and Annette Hickey, who we used, who is amazing she's just fantastic she's extremely knowledgeable about the whole surrogacy the legal side of which is so 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 important um anybody that would look into doing international surrogacy that's your first thing to do is to go and talk to a legal professional because you can go down a very very wrong road when it's international surrogacy um so that's really important so net hickey is just she's up there like she's really really good very nice person, very down to earth, you know. She's a mother herself, so which also helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so we looked into it anyway, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh in November 2019, myself and Nigel went to we picked our agency. We went over to Ukraine for the weekend. We told all the family we were going on a weekend away to Paris. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't tell anybody we were doing this. Mm-hmm. And like our family had known about the IVF, but we just said we just keep to ourselves for the minute to see how things go. So we went over anyway, and we had to get a heap of blood work done 
when we're over there you could get that done here or you could go over to Ukraine and get done with the hospital over there and we said we would go over because it gave gave us an opportunity to see their clinics and Mm -hmm. meet them and talk to them and all that and kind of get a feel for them so we did that anyway and uh it was great now, I had to say, the coordinators in there. We, the coordinator met us and uh, she spent literally the two days with us, like going from A to B to get this test done, to get that test done. Like we had to get chest x-rays and everything done. It was mental. And what was even more mad, you know yourself here, like getting a chest x-ray, mm. you could be waiting nearly a year. Yeah. But over there, you got into a taxi and you went to a clinic and you got one and we converted it, the currency, and I was like 13 euro. Her chest x-ray. Like imagine, it was just mental. Like their their hospitals and their medical treatment is fantastic over there. It really, really is fantastic. So we did that anyway. Why did you pick like it? We're international sobriety. Is yeah. there lots of places? Like, is it international? Really? Yeah. So international, you can go basically to Ukraine. You can do it in America, or you can do it in Canada. Okay. American Canada are extremely expensive. Okay. extremely expensive so our budget was for ukraine mm-hmm. an awful lot of couples irish couples do go to ukraine mm-hmm. uh, for, for financial reasons um but that's that's why we chose ukraine so we as i said we went over and we got all our blood work and all that done that was fine and then we signed our contracts there and then and it just went from there then that was november and then uh the following year then so basically, when you sign the contract, they have a, have to assign a surrogate to you. Okay. So we got note of, uh, we got a surrogate's profile. So the communication with the surrogacy is all done by email. And I had a WhatsApp number for my coordinator at the time. So I could WhatsApp her and she would send me kind of the official details by email. Mm. So the communication was always there. Like, now I'm a devil. Like, I'd always make sure I heard from them once a week. Like, now I'd be like, you're wrecking their heads over there. And I was like, well, look, it has to be done. It's my baby, yeah. Yeah, it has to be done. So um, they were very good at coming back to me all the time. So the surrogate sent us over the profile of the surrogate. And uh, we went through it. And we're like, yes, she seems fine. The surrogates have to have, like, they signed their contracts as well. Mm-hmm. And they have to have had a child as well. So, uh, Irina, our surrogate, has two boys, and um, that was fine. So, everyone went grand after that. So, that was early the next year. So, we went back over then. Is that January 2020? Yeah, January 2020. Then we were going to use our own eggs because our eggs were never the issue with IVF, mm. it was the implantation. I could never hold the pregnancy. Like, everyone went clockwork. Like, that was again going back. Sorry, going back to the IVF, like everyone went perfect. Even the doctor said, you're agreeing to the meds, your lining is perfect, the scans are perfect, your bloods are perfect, the transfers went perfect, just won't implant. So I said, well, we'll use our own eggs for the surrogacy then because um, obviously that wasn't the problem. So we did that. So I started doing a part IVF here in, I went back to the Rotunda, did it there in the Rotunda. And I told them, that I was going to go over to Ukraine. This is for surrogacy and I was going to go over to Ukraine for the egg retrieval. And a lot of hospitals in Ireland actually don't do it. They call it satellite uh, screening. And a lot of them don't do it. And the Rotunda said they would do it for us, which we were very thankful about. So that was grand. So we, so I started on all the meds again, <laughs> all the injections. Like it's mad, like your belly and everything bloats up and you have bruises and all. I remember... We, through one of the cycles actually 
Nigel had to inject my back. I can't remember the reason for it now, but he had to inject my back. But there was very little space left because I was bruised so much. And the pain of it. He's like, I have to go in here where there's a bruise. I have nowhere else to go. And the, I remember just standing in the kitchen crying my eyes out. I was like, Nigel, this is so sore. It's so sore. And he's like, I know, but I have to do it. I have to do it. And I was like, just do it. Don't tell me. Just do it. Just do it. So like, it's a lot like it's a lot. So I had to start all that again. I did all that. And then... In a very short space of time, then I had to travel to Ukraine. So again, I said it to my boss. She was very good. She's like, look, when you need to go, just go. It, it's fine. I went out of work with a chest infection. Yeah, but look, it was fine. So we went to Ukraine. When I got to go ahead from the doctors in Ukraine and the doctors here to go, we got on a flight and off we went. And I did egg retrieval over there. So that was great. Um, it was a very different experience to... Was it? Doing it here, yeah. But it was very funny because... In what Yeah, what number three? It was like, in Ukraine, like it's... Their hospitals are very old style. Like she came... We went upstairs and like in the return to here in Dublin, like, or in Repromed, like Nigel could always come into the cubicle with me and he stayed there to like come back out of the theatre. But here in Ukraine, the, our coordinator is like, no, Nigel can't come up because you're going to be sharing a room with other women. And I was like, oh, okay, grand. So Nigel went downstairs off I totted upstairs and I was like going into one of your bedrooms there upstairs there was like four beds and that was your ward and I was like where's the curtains and like there was a ward up there as well and it was just mad it was like going upstairs in your own house like and she was like uh, so just get yourself sorted there and we'll be back I was like okay grand so she had sent me details of what to bring with me and I kind of I kind of thought again being here you're you know you're in the hospital you're given yeah. a gown yeah but again Ukraine you're not given gown, a gown in this particular clinic and I was like okay so she's like oh just you know bring pajamas and this that and you're that's grand so I brought me jammies with me that's fine S- sitting there in the bed with my jammies and the coordinator uh Maria came in and she was like is that what you're wearing <laughs> I was like sorry she's like is that what you're wearing and I was like yeah my my pajamas she's like oh yeah but you know you're going for um egg retrieval and I was like yeah sure I can just take my bottoms off and I go into theatre oh no 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 we don't do that here I was like okay so what what do I do and she was like hang on hang on so off she went and she came back with a nurse and they're there talking in their own language I didn't breeze what was going on and they opened the ward the wardrobe that was in the room and uh, she took out a house coat right and I was looking again what the hell she's like oh the nurse said you must wear this and I took it off and I swear to god it'd fit your girls and I looked at it and I was like this is very small and she started laughing and I started laughing she's like this is all we have I was like have you not got I was trying to describe what the gowns were here in Ireland but she kind of couldn't comprehend what I was saying I was like okay she look we'll do it we'll do it mm. so like at that stage as I say to my friends you have your box on the table that many times you really don't care anymore <laughs> do you know what I mean like what's another like room like yeah, you know yeah. so um she came back at me and I was dressed well and I tell you the house got barely covered my behind and I had to walk out of this room out reception and into the theatre and when I walked out, like, oh, I was mortified. I was absolutely mortified. And you could see a heap of nurses. Just, I'm sure they were what they were saying in their own <laughs> language, right? And I was like, oh, God, oh, my. She Dignity at the door. Oh, stop. It was unreal. So anyway, went into the theatre and sure then they knocked me out. And sure, I didn't know what happened after that. <laughs> oh, my God. So 
that was grand anyway so got over all that and that was fine and we had gotten 10 eggs which we're delighted about absolutely delighted about so why 10 then compared to before didn't well you see you 10 I would have got I can't remember the exact numbers I got when I was doing the IVF here um but it dwindles down you see you'll always get a large amount and you see then they have to fertilize okay so they will always dwindle off like Mm. you get like 20 but they'll always dwindle off you'll never have the same amount the whole way through okay so we had 10, which was marvellous. We were delighted. And Nigel had to give his sample as well. So we were thrilled about that. So we were going to get a test called the PGD test. Um, you could get it done here as well. But at the time, it was far too expensive. We just didn't have the money to get it done here. And basically what this test does, it actually tests the inside of the embryos. Whereas the normal tests just do the outside, the kind of the mm-hmm. shell. But this kind of goes in, sees there any abnormalities. So that was grand. So they did that test and it was about two weeks till they came, the results came back. So we flew home. There was mm. no point in staying there. So we got home anyway and two weeks later the test came back and um, I think it was 10, I think seven of them weren't viable. Uh, they had different abnormalities. So they, were, they weren't viable. It would have been pointless transferring them because they wouldn't have uh, implanted. So there was no point. So there was three left. And we're like, oh my God. So we're thankful there was three. Uh, they did ask us at the time as well, did we want to know the gender? Like the science is unbelievable. And we're like, what? They never said, they never were, said that to us in Dublin here. But they were able to tell us what the gender was of each egg. So we knew, or embryo. So we knew what the gender was so we knew which one we were going to transfer so that was grand anyway so was that a decision what do you mean didn't the embryo unit so you you knew that Lottie was going to be the Lottie oh yeah yeah we knew we were transferring a female embryo yeah yeah and so was that a discussion point in a boy or girl or not really like we just we just said what what we do what we do like and we just randomly said, look, we'll just go with the girl and see what happens. Like, we were so, when we were doing, like, when we started all this, we weren't hopeful at all, to be honest, Rebecca, because we'd had so many fails. We weren't putting our full effort, just to say, into it, because we'd gone through so many fails. We said, look, let's just go with a girl. Mm. Not really kind of thinking too deep into it, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, so that was grand. So we did that. Uh, that was fine. We chose the gender of the embryo. That was grand. And then the surrogate, she started her medication, her side. And everything was going fine for her. And then she went in uh, on the 18th of May last year to... Was it 18th of May? Yeah, 18th of May last year for her transfer. So they're implanting it into her. And uh, June bank holiday last year. I was, yeah, I was out washing the windows. (laughs) I had to keep myself busy. Like Mm. I just, we were supposed to get the results on the Friday, but uh, the arena was supposed to come up to the hospital to get her bloods done, but she lives nine hours away from the hospital. So she asked, could she get her bloods done in like a a local health clinic, I'm assuming what it was. And they said, yeah, but the only thing about that is we're going to be a day late giving the results to Ruth and Nigel. Well, we didn't mind. It was, what's another day? (laughs) So uh, the Saturday then, uh, we got an email from Marina, our coordinator, and it's gas, because I said to Nigel, now, when this email comes through, you're reading it and you're opening it. 
I've had to pee in a stick the last five times. <laughs> I've had to had see the no pregnant, so it's your turn mm. now. So he said, okay. So I was there washing my windows anyway, and next to all the phone binged. Nigel was out in the garage, and I said, quick, come in. So he came in anyway, and uh, I said, there you go. And he's like, oh, how do I read? And I said, just pull it down and read it, Jesus. <laughs> you know, so he's there, and, my, and he started reading it, right? And he's like reading it to himself, and we have an island like that, and he's mm-hmm. lying across the island, and I was over there, and... I said, Nigel, read it out loud. He's like, hang on, hang on. I said, read it out loud. Shh. Don't be reading it to yourself. I was like, give me the phone. Yeah. <laughs> give it. <laughs> so then he started reading it out and it had Dear Ruth and Nigel. And then the next word is congratulations. Oh, mm. I swear to God. I dropped to the floor. I dropped to the floor and just started crying. Because I just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> and even Nigel was like, he was even crying, like, you know. And they were like, oh my God, compose ourselves, compose it. Because our house is like Houston Station. We always have family coming mm-hmm. in all the time. I was like, we have to compose ourselves. But we just couldn't believe it actually said you're pregnant. We just couldn't believe it. It was just amazing. It really was. It was like a dream come true. Like, And we just we just stood in the kitchen. We didn't say anything to, to either of us. We just stood there in complete awe. Like, And then I was like, oh, here, we to wipe the eyes now and read this properly, mm. just in case we're missing something. Mm. And we read it over and over again. And yeah, she said, yeah, everyone was grand. And Irina's HCG level was quite high, which means she was really, really pregnant as such. So uh, the relief of it, we just couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it was actually happening because, as I said, we didn't put our full hope into surrogacy because we had so many fails. Mm -hmm. We were just like, oh, sure, look, we'll go for it and see what happens. Like never, ever in this wildest dreams did you think it would work. And yeah, we were, we were pregnant. We just couldn't believe it. Like amazing, absolutely amazing. So that was the Saturday. And did we don't think, no, we didn't tell anybody. And I remember that. How did you keep the secret? How did you keep it? I don't know, to be quite honest with you. I don't know how we actually did it. I don't know how we did it. And that, uh, we were still quite worried because it was so early mm. you know we're like you know yourself and can happen at mm. any stage and we we're still quite worried so we said, we'll just hold fire like till we get like till eight weeks and go from there so we did that and then i think it was father's day came up then when is father's day june june mm. it was father's day then and uh i said to my judge you know we'll, we'll give the, the two granddads a card and, and have it in it mm. so because we would we would get a scan uh, with every email so mm. we printed off the scan and we threw it into the into the cards and anyway, and went down to my mum and dad first and gave it to me dad and, you know you know dad's like dad is in the kitchen making a cup of tea and I said oh there you go happy fires he's like oh yeah grand thanks yeah. thanks you know and I went out to the sun and to mum and Nigel was talking to me and dad says what's this now and you can hear her, you know but mum mm. didn't take any heed to him mm. and he, <laughs> he came out he's like is this because of Ukraine <laughs> Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I said, yeah, Dad. I mm-hmm. says, you're going to be grounded again. Mm-hmm. And Dad's like, what? And then he says to Mum, here, have a look at that. Have a look at that. Mm-hmm. And it was just a little scam. Mum was absolutely delighted, like mm-hmm. over the moon. like. And then we did the same for Nigel's dad. Gave it to him. And he was thrilled, like absolutely thrilled. So that's all we told. We didn't tell mm-hmm. I told my sister. We didn't tell anybody else. And then July came then and we had the... Was it? it must have been the eight week scan, and uh, 
we had a big, uh, not big, a family barbecue. Mm-hmm. And people kind of were like, why are you having a barbecue and all? And we're like, oh, just get the families together. Yeah. Like, we mm-hmm. haven't done it in ages. It'd be nice, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, okay. And none of them had a breeze, what we were doing, which was even better. Yeah, that's it. They had all known we'd been through IVF. Mm-hmm. So I got cards done up online. And I had, like, say for my, my sister, I got, even though she knew, I got her one, like, you know, you're, you're going to be an auntie. Oh, and for my brother, you're going to be an uncle. This type of mm. thing. And we put them into envelopes and we got food in and all. We made a big deal of it. I'm sure I couldn't eat at all. Like, oh, I was a nervous wreck, mm. like, you know. So that was grand. And we served the food. We just handed out the envelopes. Didn't say anything to anybody and just handed out the envelopes. And I have a video on my phone. My sister-in-law, I swear, she just screamed the house down. <laughs> she, she was like, oh, my God. She screamed the house. And then there was oh, tears ever. Mm. Absolute tears ever. Tears of joy. Yeah. Tears of absolute joy. joy. Yeah. Tears of absolute joy. And it was such a relief then. And then I kind of felt real. Mm. I was like, oh, God. And then when, once the family knew, we knew this is actually happening. Like, mm. and everybody was just so, so happy for us. So happy for us. Um, which was great. Mm. Which is really great. So then from then, it was just constant emails and communication with the agency asking how Irina was doing, make sure she was doing okay and that type of thing. And um, it was the 20-week scan, the, you know, the important scan. Mm. It was only really after that that I could kind of relax. Mm. I got very anxious about it. Um, after the kind of the bubble of saying, yeah, we're pregnant, yeah. I got quite an- anxious and worried about it. And then I think... One of the days I just started crying, just non-stop crying. I remember driving home from work and I was just crying non-stop and I got home. And I was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, are you not happy? I says, I am. I'm over mm. the moon, but I just, I just don't know. And then the more we talked about it, I think because of the failed IVF cycles, mm. I'd buried a lot of that emotion. And because we were constantly going, 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 I wasn't giving myself a chance to think about it. and to Take to, a breath. Yeah. That's it. Mm. That's it. And just t- take a step back and say, this is what we're doing. And, you know, and I think everything just came up to boiling point because my emotions had turned to happiness mm. instead of the failure. I think everything just came up and I just exploded. Absolutely exploded. Like, and even though I just get worried, like, well, maybe you should talk to your sister, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I knew what it was. Mm. I just knew it was all my emotions. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details coming up and uh but I was quite anxious through the whole thing and there was days where I like god like our stranger is carrying our baby millions of miles away and like we have to trust this person that we we never met her a lot of people do go over to meet their circus but because of COVID we couldn't so we were trusting this stranger to carry our child assuming that she wasn't going out and you know smoking and drinking and partying mm. at three o'clock in the morning we had to assume everything and wow. that was hard mm. that was really hard and we would get pictures of the bump obviously developing and of Irina and sometimes I'm like oh Nigel that should be me that should be me like even though I was so overjoyed that she was carrying her baby and I knew that she would do an amazing job I just sometimes I was like that should be me like it shouldn't be Irina and I was like, I know, but look what we have. Like, look what we have. Look what Irina's doing. And I kind of had to keep focusing on that, what Irina was doing for us, you know. So I did still have up and down days throughout the pregnancy. Um, you know, but Irina was great. She was just... But you can understand that. Yeah. You can understand that whole thing of mm. the pure anxiety. Yeah. The pure yeah. pit in your stomach that... Yeah. And I'd never experienced anxiety before that. Never had it. Like, even through all the IVF, like, and so many people say to me, God, you're so brave. You just keep going. I was like, but you have to. You have to. You have to keep going. And it was only until we got the confirmed pregnancy and I could see Irina carrying our baby. That's when the anxiety just got in on me big time. And just worry and anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, just that's all it is, like, you know. And, uh, she sometimes she'd send us a picture of herself like and then she'd look tired and I'd be like oh my god why is she so tired is she not eating properly and this that and the other mm. you know you come you come very um precious about them even yeah. it's their, your surrogate you come very precious about them because you know they're carrying your baby like so but as time went on she was great like she she had a very good pregnancy thank god um and she was fine so uh Lottie was due on the 31st of January so we had planned to go over maybe a week or so before that. Um, but then COVID hit really hard and all the flights start. Our flight got cancelled like twice and it was just a nightmare. And then we had to fly through. Ryanair used to do direct, which was mm. dead handy. Mm. But Ryanair cancelled all the flights to Ukraine. So we had to go from Dublin to the Netherlands, Netherlands to uh, Ukraine. And Netherlands, the week we were due to fly, they brought in um, the antigen testing. Yeah. Then anybody that was coming into the country had to get an antigen test, as well as us getting the PCR test. 
So I was freaking out. I was like, for God's sake. And I was like, but we're only actually going into the airport. We're not actually mm-hmm. leaving the airport. But now they wanted it uh, for the airport as well. So that was a kind of bit manic the week that we were going. And then obviously I finished up work. And Nigel was finished a few days later. And uh, we'd get our PCR tests. And then you know yourself, like it's in your head, like oh, I'm getting a sore throat. I'm getting a really nose. Yeah. Jesus, I've got COVID. Mm. We won't be able to mm. go. Mm. Oh, it was just awful. Like the, it was quite stressful then. The week we were gone, it was quite stressful. But we got there. We got, like we went up to the airport and uh, it was so eerie. There wasn't a soul in the place. It was so, so weird. But anyway, we got through all the tests and then all that. It was fine. And we got to Ukraine and what aside from that mm. what is that journey like emotionally the surrogacy no the plane journey of you oh, going on that plane yeah. over to see your baby yeah it was mad uh it was just very surreal i suppose it really was like like we're like yeah we're going over to meet our child like and i was like is this is this right like you know you, you kind of out yourself sometimes like is this right like Mm -hmm. and everything's above board like everything is as legal as it comes like everything's above board but you are kind of like going my god like what are we doing (laughs) and then again like the lewis like you're on a flight and the flight was full and i'm like where are these people going like are they going over to get their babies (laughs) you know the type of way like it's mad it really is it's just mad so yeah we got there anyway safe and sound everyone was fine got our accommodation everyone was fine so we were there with a few appointments prior to when Irina went into labour and we actually finally met her. We met her on the Thursday and she went into labour on the Sunday. But on Thursday, Thursday it was lovely. We finally got to meet her. Oh, like, God. And she looked so tired. I felt so guilty. I was like, are you okay? Like, she didn't have any, any English. Right. It was translated through our coordinator. And I was like, are you okay? You look very tired. And she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And she was out walking and... It was great, like, it was mm. great to meet her, like, and great to see her with bump, you know, mm, that type mm. of way. So that was fine. So then we went about our business anyway, and it was just a waiting game, just a waiting game. We were waiting, it was a week actually, yeah, and on the Sunday, it was the maddest thing in the world. So we were there, I know, it was a Sunday morning, and we just had breakfast, and I was starting to get fed up, like, because really? like that, Ukraine was in lockdown as well. Mm. So, and you were afraid to kind of go out because you were collecting mm. your newborn baby, like, you know. So I was just getting fed up at that stage. And uh, Nigel tidied up the kitchen. And I said, look, I'm going in to read my book to see can I kind of distract myself yeah. a bit. And when we got to Ukraine, I had, uh, Irina had found me on Instagram. So we were communicating through Instagram, right? Oh just gosh. only when I went to Ukraine, yeah. right? And it was weird. So that was fine. So, uh, reading my book, I remind me on business and my phone dinged. And sorry, previous to that, the coordinator had texted me really early that morning mm. and said, uh, no movement, there's, there's nothing happening. And I was like, oh, okay, grant, no problem. So, that was fine. So, next of all, the coordinator texted me again saying um, that Irina had gone into hospital because she had felt pains which I'm assuming was contractions like their wording was kind of a bit hard sometimes Mm. but I'm assuming that's what they meant and didn't hear Adam then for ages so again reading my book that was grand and next of all phone dinged again and it was Instagram and I kind of wasn't paying any much attention to it to be honest Mm. and I looked at it and a picture came up and I opened it and it was a picture of a baby And I remember roaring at night. I was like, Nigel, quick, come in here. I was like, look at this. 
And I said the most stupidest thing to him. I was like, is this our baby? And it's just a picture of, you know, when the baby is literally first born and it goes on the scales. Yeah. Literally, that was, it was a baby in the scales. And was that your baby? Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah. No explanation, no, no writing or anything. And I was like, what the hell is going Because we had just got a text to say there was no movement. Um, hang on. on. (laughs) Like, were you not going to be in the labour where? No, because of COVID. Right, that okay. was the original plan. Okay, that you're able to be in the maternity house or the hospital they call a house over there mm. with them, but because of COVID, we couldn't go near the hospital. Both of you could be in there. Is that the norm? Is both or no, yeah. just one, just, just one. one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and I was going to go in. Yeah, um, but because of COVID, we couldn't go near the hospital, which was a bit unfortunate. But look, yeah. you had to do what you had to do. So, so like, I get a picture of a baby <laughs> through Instagram reading me book, not knowing what the hell is going on. And Isaac's nice. Is that our baby? Is that? And he's like, what? What are you talking about? Like, where'd you get this from? <laughs> I was like, Irene just sent it to me. It has to be like. And next of all, uh, phone rang and it was our coordinator to say, Irene. A second, I just see. Are your dog? Yeah, the dog. Sorry, the dog is barked. Is today? He'll be all right. Give him a sec. Yes, apologies for the interruption, but yeah. Right. So she texted you. She uh, the coordinator rang me then. Right. And said, uh, "Oh, Ruth, uh, baby's born." Uh, weighing six pounds and everything's going for and I'm like what like you literally just text me not so long ago saying there was no movement or nothing but I think what happened was again our coordinator said that Irina asked for medicine so I said it to my mom and my sister and they're saying that she might have got induced yeah I'm not sure I don't know what happened but Lottie came anyway but do you not think maybe it was better that you just found out like that oh geez I don't know my nerves were gone when I just seen that picture, I was like, what the hell? Like, I, I didn't think for a second it was Lottie. Yeah. Not for a second. I was like, why is she seeing a picture of me? Saying you a, a random baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> saying this is on the way for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we were just over the moon. And um, obviously we rang home and everybody was overjoyed. It was just amazing. Like, so when all we all calmed down, like... Um, so basically what happened then was the baby is taken away from Irina straight away. Okay. Um, because obviously she's not Irina's. Mm-hmm. So, but I felt sorry for Irina because she texted me on, texted me later that day. And she's like, do you know how Lottie is doing? I told her her name. And I was like, do you know how Lottie's doing? And I was like, yeah, she's doing fine. Did, did they not tell you? And she's like, no, no, they took her away and I haven't seen her. And I did ask, but nobody has told me. And my heart went out to her. Like, she's after giving labour, she's after carrying this child for nine months, feeding the child, growing the child. They could at least have said, look, she's doing fine, or whatever the case. We wouldn't have minded. Mm. You know, absolutely we wouldn't have minded. But they didn't. So that was fine. So um, that was on the Sunday. And then they had to make sure both baby and the surrogate were okay. Mm. So uh, on the Tuesday, they both got discharged. So off we toddled to the hospital to collect our little baby. So we went anyway and that was fine. We were sitting there waiting for Lottie to come down with Irina and they both came down together. A nurse was holding Lottie and obviously came out to us and we were just amazed and just couldn't believe that we were holding our little bundle of joy. Finally, like, you know, after nine years we get to hold our little bundle, like, just incredible. Sorry. Paul? Sorry. Is that a <laughs> moment? Um, waiting for her to come down? 
Yeah, like I was getting, we were waiting for nearly 40 minutes and I was like, what's wrong? Like, is there anything wrong? And the coordinator was like, no, 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 they're just getting it ready. They're just getting it ready. And I was like, well, you know, 40 minutes, like, you know, get mm. a move on, mm. <laughs> you know. But when they came down, I could see Irina and my heart went out to her. Obviously, she was absolutely exhausted and I'm sure in extreme pain too. Um, But she just looked sad. And that really kind of, it was hard to see, even though she was giving us our baby and she was so incredibly amazing for nine months carrying a baby and everything else, it was very, very difficult. The nurse came over to me and gave me Lashie. And of course, we were overjoyed and I kissed her and hugged her and we were crying and everything else. But I turned to Nigel and I gave Nigel Lashie and I said, let's not make a big deal out of this because Arena's over there in the corner and she was so upset. And I was like, oh God. And that part... That part of the surrogacy journey, I wasn't expecting. Like, we forget that our surrogates have feelings as well. And they've just given birth. And obviously, they're extremely emotional. And that was difficult. Like, she came over to me and she gave me a hug. And I'm assuming she said, congratulations. I don't know what. She said something to me in Ukraine. I don't know what it was. But my heart went out to her. And I couldn't fully celebrate Lottie because I was so conscious of her, like... You know, my heart just went out to her. And, yeah, it was tough. It really was tough. Like, And even Nigel, like, you know, he was getting a bit teary-eyed as well. And I was like, let's just gather our bits and go. Like, So off we went. Irina came out with us. And uh, we were getting a taxi. And I said to Irina, I said to the coordinator, is Irina okay for a taxi? Would you like to come with us and we can drop her back to her accommodation? And Cassandra uh, was like, no, 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 she's fine. She has a taxi ordered. And we just left. And I just, my heart just went out to her. I was like, oh, no, this isn't right. It just isn't right. Like, as much as amazing what had just happened. But I just felt so guilty for Irina. I don't know why. I felt so guilty for her. And I felt so sad for her as well. And I could still see her and she was so upset. So we got back to our own accommodation and the whole newborn bubble started. Mm. And you know yourself, you don't know what you're doing. Um. Mm. But between then and going home, we had to meet Irina and her solicitor three to- two times. And when we met them, I always made sure I handed Lottie to Irina so she could cuddle her and talk to her and whatever she wanted to do. And she'd be blessing her and all, because the Ukrainian ladies are very religious. And she'd be blessing her and everything like this. And every time we left, she would cry. Oh, Jesus, do you know, I said to some of the girls, I'm on, some, I'm on a support group, or not so... Uh, yeah, support group for a surrogacy. And I was saying to the girls, girls, prepare yourself for when you go over for the emotional side in relation to your surrogate. Not even when your baby or babies are born in relation to your surrogate. It just floored me how, up, how more emotional I was about that, I think, than anything else, to be quite honest. Because she just cried, cried. And like, oh. I didn't know what to do. I actually, I just went over and I kept hugging her, even though you weren't supposed to hug because we were in lockdown. I didn't yeah. give a shit. I just had to go over and hug her. And I said, uh, I said, do you want to hold her? And she would take her and she would hug her and this, that and the other. And the next time again, it all happened again. And she was Jesus holding Jesus, that's, yeah. that's torture yeah. for you as mm. a person because one, as you just said, the tug of war you must have been having with your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. You're feeling sorry on this hand. And, mm. But 
so grateful absolutely so yeah. grateful and yeah. that's where your feelings were yeah but then yeah you've got your baby on this side and yeah yeah oh yeah it's you know it, it, it's something that if we don't experience it and I'm so glad we get to talk we got to talk because so many people were saying different things to me and I'm like how's it work and I, and I was like I don't know guys I mm. literally don't know and mm. you know you, this is how it works yeah and it's yeah you, it's the, the ending is great but it's pretty it is horrific the ending, it's the most amazing thing in the world that you have your baby or your babies something you've longed for and dreamed of for so 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 long you have it but then it's seeing your surrogate so upset you know it's just heartbreaking it really is heartbreaking like and the last time then that we met her again she was so upset about it again and even now I just said no disrespect to Irina but I'm glad this is our last appointment because Absolutely. we can't do this. Yeah. We can't do this. can't have her upset every time that she sees Lottie, like, you know. And it's only natural for her. Of course it is. And we totally mm. get that. And, like, still to this day, we're in contact with Irina. Like, we're all sending her pictures and stuff of Lottie. Like, but that's the part that got me the most, I think, of the whole journey. I wasn't ready for that. And I hadn't built myself up for that. Because, mm. like... None of the other girls had mentioned it, and I the support groups are out like that. And I maybe I don't know, maybe I was just been silly thinking, like, oh, she'll just walk away, she'll be grand. But I think Arena as a person is quite an emotional person anyway. Um, but that was tough, that was very, very, very tough, like, really tough. Like, and then, like, you just think, like, what she's going home now, like, and she still has her bump, and how is she? Is she okay? Like, is she depressed like you worry about mm. them you really do worry about them and that's why I kind of stayed in contact with her and I was like are you okay or, you know how do you feel and she's like oh I'm good I'm good you enjoy your family you enjoy your family and she was so so nice about it but my heart went out to her and you think that there's some people out there that I would be like no but that's the job like no that that's what I get paid for do you get when people say that but should I get paid for it like yeah but like I had that conversation with Irina um about that and about the kind of the financial side of Mm. it uh yeah they get paid for it uh and they get paid a nice amount of money for it Mm. um but they're doing it as Irina said to me Ruth I'm doing this for you and Nigel to have your family she says I'm so overjoyed that I could help you have your family that you've longed for for so so long and she says it's worth more than money like it's just amazing what I can do and she's even today like she was texting me saying I'm so so happy that I've I'm part of your life that I help I carried your baby you know and your family at three now and you're like it's I can't describe it like it's just yeah this the financial part of it all right but I think it's a lot more for them I think it's a lot more for our circuit anyway definitely for Irene mm. it was a lot more absolutely a lot more you know a lot more just incredible and the question then on that and we'll go a little bit further and chat about Lottie is because I want to ask the question now is would you do it again and would you and you do advocate for it like mm. that people do it mm. or how are you feeling about that? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I'd have to see what Mr. Credit Union said to me mm, first. Mm, mm. <laughs> like, it's not cheap. It really isn't cheap. We were, we were very fortunate that we could get the loans where to do it. 
so so many people can't do it because it's it's quite quite expensive and then you have your legal fees when you come home as well so it is very expensive um i would do it again in a heartbeat we've two more embryos over there in the freezer waiting for us whether we will or not i don't know it all mm. depends for now we're just going to enjoy lottie as much as we possibly can we've been waiting 10 years for her so we're going to just slap her up as much as we possibly can for the moment and who knows what the future will bring you know and then anyone else would they come to you for advice on it what would you say to them i would say to them do your research that's mm. quite important do your research talk to a solicitor who is qualified in surrogacy and go from there um from personal level i'd absolutely do it 100 percent. if you had the financial backing i'd absolutely do it yeah it's it's a crazy journey like it really really is your emotions are going to be all over the place but it's so so worth it when you hold your bundle of joy like it's so so worth it one of the friend one of my friends that i've actually gotten i'm very good friends with now true surrogacy she's over in ukraine at the moment she had her little boy last week little christopher and uh she just can't believe it she just can't believe she's she sent me pictures and she's holding the little man and she's like he's mine i was like i know he is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's just magical yeah yeah like mm-hmm. as i say to some people as well we don't do this seriously journey lightheartedly like we all have issues we all have health issues that's the reason why we went down this route mm-hmm. it's the reason why all families go down the route you know um Obviously, people have had health issues that they can't, maybe they can't carry or whatever the case may be. It's the last resort of having a family. Like we said, like, obviously, if this wasn't going to work, that's it. We're just parking it to the mm. side and just we're just going to be a family, too. And that was it. So if anybody was able to do it, I'd 100 percent recommend But be prepared for the ups and downs, the stress, the anxiety. It all comes with it, but it's mm. well worth it in the end. Well worth it. So tell me about bringing her home. Oh, Jesus, bring her home. She was the best baba ever. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to, over in Ukraine, we had to get what's called an emergency travel document for her Mm -hmm. to bring her back to Ireland. So we got that sorted and we hopped on the plane and we again went to get two flights because there was no direct. And she was good as gold. Jeez, she was so good. Like she literally slept, like the two flights she slept and that was at the time again with COVID. So the seat in between us was always free. Mm. So like she was only a toddler, God. you know. So she had her wrapped up and she slept in the middle seat. God. And uh, like the staff were amazing and all. The Nigel was fierce and nervous. Oh, was Jesus, he? he was fierce and nervous. <laughs> he was afraid she'd be bawling her eyes out on the plane. Oh, and we'd be one of those families, you know, they shut up their baby. Yeah, like, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. But she was so good. She was so, so good. Uh, we got home and um, got to Dublin and, and at the time again nobody could come into arrivals mm-hmm. so my mum and dad are outside and um, they had the carry cot and so, so there was a security man standing there and they could see the carry cot and they had a pink balloons hanging out <laughs> and your man very nice man mum said came over to and said sorry are you waiting on a baby and mum's like yeah we're waiting on our granddaughter to come through and uh, he's just, and it was a really cold cold february morning and they're like jesus you can't be standing here come on in come oh. on in so mom and dad were like oh thanks so much thanks so much so we came through people are kind aren't oh, they, they? Are. people are they so are. kind you, they really oh. really are kind and generous they really are so we came through the doors and anyway, we were exhausted i think it was just the whole we're bringing a new two-week-year-old baby mm. home in a plane what are we doing like we mm. didn't have a clue like and i think we were just so 
you know, tensed up about it. So when we got back and when we come through the arrivals door, I've seen mum and dad there. But it was weird again with COVID, like we couldn't hug or anything. Mm. Like mum had said, no, no, I can't touch us, I can't touch us. Wait till we get to the car park. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like that, we went back to the car park and she gave us all a hug and all. And we got into the car and Nigel said, thank God we are home. Thank God. Because it's hard over there as well like we were there for two weeks and you've no support like you've mm. no family support you've no friends you're in a strange country Lottie was very colicky and we we're trying we we're going to the chemist to try and get bits and bobs for her mm. and it's hard like you know there was one or two nights now where I was just like a basket case mm-hmm. uh, I was ringing mom at two o'clock in the morning saying she's screaming what's she screaming for <laughs> you know so it is difficult so when we got home it was such a relief mm. it was such a relief and then I think then we realised this is it, like this is our little family. We finally, finally, I think when we got home to our own house, yeah. this is yeah. us, like this is us, this is now, this is going to be forever more, which we were just amazed about, amazed. It was just, oh, it's just amazing, amazing, it really is amazing. But uh, yeah, and here she is, nine months old now, you know. So. Did you always have Lottie? Yes, we did. Even before we started IVF, uh, we always liked the name Lottie because Nigel's mom passed away a few years ago and her name was Loretto. Okay. So we used Lottie then, so we were delighted. We had other names, but we always came back to Lottie, you know. So, uh, yeah, she's a great little baba. What does she look like? Because it's your, it's your ex, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to know. Mm. Um, it's hard to know. I think... At the moment, I think she's a bit more like me. Okay. Uh, I had real chubby cheeks when I was younger and stuff like that, and she has that now. Like, But certain facial expressions, she's like, Nigel, like, right. she'd look at me in a way, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's your dad looking at me, you know? Hilarious. <laughs> but she's a great little personality. She really is. Like, and she's kind of only starting to come out of herself now, like, you know? But, uh, oh, she's great. Sure, the house is upside down. Like, I mean, I would have been a real stickler for a tidy house, and, you know, but sure. The Goes house. out the window. <gasps> Goes out the window, oh, doesn't stop. it? Yeah. Oh, but I couldn't care less. Like yeah. she's there, she's happy. That's all we want, yeah. you know. And just it's amazing. We're just overjoyed. Good, good for you. Um, Ruth, tell me this. Uh, right now in the media, we're yeah. seeing lots about surrogacies. And again, someone said to me, "But she, what did she say to me?" She said, "Um, oh no, but they have got rights." And I was like, "No, I, I was like, I again, I don't know the ins and outs of it." Yeah. So, do you want to tell me about what's happening now? Yeah. So basically in Ukraine, right, when we got Lottie, when we got Lottie's birth cert, we were, we are down on Lottie's birth cert as her parents. Okay. So when we're in Ukraine, we're her, we're Lottie's mommy and daddy. When we came home to, from Ukraine to Ireland, the minute we land in Ireland, we're not recognised as Lottie's parents under Irish law. Absolutely barbaric. Um, so she's legally unprotected until Nigel gets his parental order. So when we got home, our solicitor, Annette Hickey, started the paperwork for Nigel to get guardianship of Lottie. So we had, well, we couldn't go to the High Court, but in normal circumstances, you go to the High Court and he will get granted his guardianship of Lottie. I have to live with Lottie for two years before I can apply for my guardianship of Lottie. So, like, I'm her mommy, but... Under Irish law, they don't see me as Lottie's mommy. It's just unbelievable. It's it's insane. So what happens if, right, God forbid, like what happens if people split up and the father says, well, 
I'm, I have absolutely no right. Me and I just split up in the morning. I have no right over Lottie. He can take her. And I've absolutely, I can do squat diddly about it. What? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No right. Now you can, yeah, you know, you could maybe do up a will or something. I don't know that side of it. Mm. But under Irish law, I have no right at all. If Lottie was to, you know, fall and break her leg in the morning mm. and I had to rush into Tampa Street, uh, I couldn't sign any paperwork. I would have to ring Nigel, get Nigel to come up, sign the paperwork because I'm nobody in Lottie's life at the moment under Irish law. It's just unbelievable. It's heartbreaking and it's unbelievable. Her as a child doesn't have the same rights as your kids at the moment either. Like it's just unreal. Like I can't stress how annoying and crazy it actually is. And that's what we're trying to do at the moment um the assisted human reproduction bill is in with the government at the moment they're reviewing it and surrogacy is in it and there was articles there in the paper two weeks ago saying that now we don't know if it was true or not but they were saying that they were going to defer international surrogacy for another while as in they're not going to put it into the bill and we we're just like, oh no, this can't happen. This just can't happen. So an organisation, Irish Families Through Surrogacy, they've been campaigning with for this for a very long time. And they organised the demonstration on Tuesday. They've been in talks with several politicians, TDs and ministers, and they all backed them up 100%, saying, yeah, we're behind you, this has to be passed, you know, there's no problem, leave it with us, da-da-da-da-da. And then we get this article in the in the Times about it. We're just like, what's going on? So we had that had the demonstration. It was really good. Got great media coverage. And you know, it was just it was actually a lovely demonstration because it was all families that had children mm. through surrogacy. Like Lottie was there, there was twins there, um, there was two uh gentlemen there who had their children as well. It was just beautiful to see like mm. it was a really special an emotional morning to see all the children because that's what it's about it's about them um and yeah basically we were handing well not not myself Irish Family Street Service we were handing letters into the government to state that basically we need this passed we need international service to be recognized in the bill in order for our children to be protected me as a as Lottie's mother I'm not entitled to any maternity benefits so I, ca- I can't claim state, you know, the maternity bed that you yeah. would have. I am not entitled to that. They won't give me that. It's unreal. Like, it's like children's allowance, stuff like that? Children's allowance, yes. Okay. But not the maternity benefit. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. It's just, it's so, it's so wrong. Like, like, my child isn't different to your child, so why treat them differently? Mm. Do you know that type mm. of way? Yeah, they were born in a different country. Absolutely, yeah. We recognise that. But they're still the same. They're, they're an Irish citizen. Like, Lottie be getting her passport. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's just wrong. Like, it's just... It's leaving them children in limbo. Like, them not knowing what's going on. Like, you know, like, even for school... Or if I had to put Lottie into a crash, like, going back to work, mm. I couldn't sign any paperwork. Nigel would have to sign it. So I'm nothing to Lottie under the Irish law. Like, you know, it's, it's just crazy. That's bonkers. Yeah, it is bonkers. It's wrong. It's really, really wrong. They are passing um, domestic surrogacy, which is great. Mm. But not all of us have. Is there such a thing as, yeah, is is that done that much here, would you say? 
I don't think so. No. I think maybe 70, 80% of it is international surrogacy. Yeah. Because people don't have sisters or, you know, friends or, mm. you know, I know, like, I wouldn't ask my sister to do no. it. I just wouldn't. And, you know, if there is someone out there that would do it for mm. a, a person, that's fantastic. But more Irish couples will go abroad to do surrogacy, like, you know, and it's it, it needs to change. Like, in England, they passed, they have, um, they sent in under their law in the 1980s, they cleared it like and they have in their law that when you come home to the UK with your child you both get uh, parent granted mm. parentship of your child and that's the way Ireland should be like they need to come up you know a good few years and mm. just get with the program like it's it's been going on for 21 years you know and they've gotten so far people that have done this previously have gotten so far and it's just stopped and it's it just we have to change it it's just why are we so behind it oh I do not know I do not know. And it's so frustrating, like, because I know there's a, a fear there, and, and people will say, like, oh, you know, but surrogates to get, surrogates to get uh, exploited and all this, you know. That's not the case. Mm. If you go to the right places, mm. if you have the right legal profession for you and your surrogate, mm. that won't happen. They'll be as safe as houses like you are, and, yeah, they'll get financial gain out of it. So there shouldn't be any reason why the government shouldn't pass it. There really shouldn't. Like, it's becoming more and more common now. Mm. Like, I mean, IVF has become more yeah. more common mm. now. And people now are only starting to talk about it, which mm. it's amazing. Um, but then you do have the people that don't want to talk about it. They just do it in their own private way. Um, but it's becoming more and more like and like who's to say like that Lottie like when she gets to my age or your age that mm, she doesn't have to have do to, this yeah. you know that type of way like do you think it's the church I think it does have a part to play in it yeah isn't it mad like um, I had a conversation with Paul Stenson recently and um, he was saying things about the Catholic Church that I didn't necessarily because I have to be very clear that I you know I'm Catholic and I appreciate God and I do all yeah. that. So I have to be very clear in the sense that when Paul did it, um, was talking about God and did, no, he wasn't talking about God, he was talking about the church and the Catholic church. Mm. And what he was saying, I didn't agree with And I did say that to him, that I didn't necessarily, I valued his opinion, but I didn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. But just sitting here talking to you saying that, mm. it's like light bulb moment, Rebecca, this is the church. Yeah. My mom always said that um, my granny passed away last October and my mom always said that, if my, my granny had Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. but if she was in her sane mind and she was still here and I told her we were expecting through a surrogate, mm-hmm. she would have went bananas because she yeah. was an extremely religious lady, which is fine. That's absolutely fine. But there would have been World War Three in my granny's house if I had to tell her what we went through because like that, it wasn't the right thing to do by the church. And I do think it has a small part yeah. to play, but we need to move on. But I just don't understand how the church has that power. But I definitely think, because mm. what what else would it be, Ruth? Yeah. Like what yeah. else would it be? Yeah, it must be. It really, I don't know. It must be. Um, it has that's to a be. kind of warms. That's like that's like now my head is going to every <laughs> little. I'm like money. Yeah. Like it's that that's yeah. that's a kind of warms. But yeah. that is, yeah, it's mad. It's mad. It's mad, but it's just it's it's awful to think that there's so many children out there that are unprotected at the moment because of our Irish government it's it's wrong it's frightening you know 
And even there tonight, I know there's a gorgeous couple going on uh, Virgin Media tonight. Yes. Did you see that? I've seen it. It's going on. Yeah. yeah. I've seen it on your page. Did you put yeah. it on your page? Yeah. 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 Like, he, like, Cathy's husband is very, very ill at the minute. Okay. And he said he wants to do this to show, show the government and show people that, you know, if Anton has to happen to Nigel or to any husband, I, I'm, I'm left in limbo. What do I do? You yeah. know, what, do, what rights do I have with Lottie like? And you can't have that, like that lovely family that's going to be on telly tonight, like they're going through the most worrying times of their lives and they shouldn't have to worry about their little boy yeah. and his state of affair and his protection. That should be the least of their worries. Like they, you know, he, Cathy should know that his, her children are safe. Mm. She doesn't. She doesn't. And that's awful. On top of what they're going through at the moment, shouldn't be the case. It's wrong. You know, it's really wrong. And the government really need to pull up their socks. And they really Absolutely. need to do something because it's not right. How can people help? How can listeners help? Um, I suppose just following Irish Families Through Surrogacy mm. um, on social media pages. Um, they're campaigning really, really hard. They're doing an amazing job. And just to share everything, uh, to share everything that's on social media at the moment and talk about it, mm. you know, just talk about it so much. That's all we can do. Get in contact with your TDs, your ministers, your councillors, anyone at all. Get in contact with them. Keep the pressure on. Um, like we did, there was word that the government was now considering um, considering bringing it back in, mm. international surrogacy, into uh, the AHRO bill. They're actually going to um, have a joint Oireachtas committee. Okay. So these people are going to do their homework, they're going to do their yeah. research and everything, which needs to be yeah. done, which needs to be done. Um, and this is going to go on for four months. Okay. So early next year, we need to kind of keep going as much as we can, like to keep the pressure on, because it, it can't not go into it. It's just too important for all of our children. It's way too important. They're so precious. Like, it took us all so long to get there. It took us all so long to have our families. We're not going to lie down until our, our families and our children are recognised. They have to be. They just have to be, you know. And on that note, Ruth, we leave it there. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for opening my eyes to <laughs> your life and your story. It's yeah. it's crazy. Mm. Um, it really is. So yeah. thank you because you spoke so well and so eloquently about your thank journey. You so and I know it's going to help a lot of people. Oh, so thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.